0: Hello and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George.
1: And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Room. Room was written by Emma Donahue and was published in 2010.
0: And the film adaptation, which came out in 2015, was directed by Lenny Abramson.
1: And this is a patron requested episode. So thank you to Lena for requesting this episode. We're super excited to do it. Super excited that you've reached out to us and requested it. We hope you enjoy it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Always love doing a patron request. And also because it's one we've wanted to do for a while now, I think. We have. This is such a unique story. Uh, Obviously won uh, some Oscars, was nominated for quite a few, won Brie Larson an Oscar. Yeah. When it came out and... Yeah, I think is still on a lot of people's minds. Mm-hmm. I know when we talked about um, uh, the disaster artist, which is the making of The Room, <laughs> the Tommy Wiseau film, which I almost made a joke about when we were saying year and director. But uh, a lot of people were like, oh, the Brie Larson movie. And I'm like, no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> it's better to get them mixed up that way. Yeah,
0: I'm glad th- I'm glad Room is
1: more in people's minds yeah than
0: the room (laughs)
1: yeah i wouldn't want to be like oh we're doing an episode on room and then people be like oh you mean that weird tommy wussow movie (laughs) yeah
0: i think it goes a lot to say though because like a lot of times those like kind of academy award-winning darling movies that come out that have like an acting oscar win kind of like fizzle out shortly after
1: oh yeah i mean that was like five years ago now so it's like there have been plenty of movies that it's like, what was that movie
2: again?
0: Yeah. The one where Cumberbatch is like, he makes a first computer and there's like, it's like World War II. Yeah. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about.
1: No, we don't. <laughs> and that's the point. Yes. Uh,
0: yeah. So it's cool. I, I'm glad this movie is still kind of in people's minds. Mm-hmm. And um, let's start by talking a little bit about this adaptation, the book and the film, but specifically the book, because the book is written in a very unique way
1: definitely um and it's so my first time reading this book was in a book club that i was part of for work Oh,
0: i didn't know that yeah this was um
1: part when i was working at um one library location um i kind of led facilitated a book club um, so I got to do a book club as my job, one of the perks of being a librarian. But um, this was one of the books that we read pretty early on, and it actually kind of divided some people in my book club. Interesting. Because the story is told from Jack's perspective exclusively. And Jack is a five-year-old boy who is very precocious and smart and advanced in his language for his age, but he's still five.
0: yeah. And I know, like, on Goodreads, too, the reviews are, like, pretty mixed between, like, average readers, I think, in terms of, like, people who uh, like the format of the writing and people who just couldn't stand it.
1: Yeah. I Uh, think for a lot of people, just getting into it was really hard. Yeah, I
0: question, like, how many of those people just, like, couldn't get past, like, the first, you know, 100 pages. Yeah. Because it's, like, not only written in a very odd way, but, like, you kind of... Unless, like, you're very familiar with the story, you're probably not sure totally what's going on at first.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a little bit of a mystery, and you're kind of a detective trying to figure out the clues that Jack lays out for you in his very childlike perspective of, like, what's actually going on in this story. So, you know, it is kind of, I wouldn't say difficult at the beginning, but I will say that it doesn't make it super easy to, like... Pull you in right away
0: Yeah Without getting like Too much into like Which we prefer Or anything like that But I did really Like the way The story was written I think she just like it's not like anything else I've read before. Yeah. In terms of that perspective. And the author just just does such an amazing job of like thinking mm-hmm. like a child of that age, like all the weird associations children make, like trying to yeah. understand things, associating it with things they do know. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of humor in that. There's a it's lot so of funny. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's so many funny lines. I'm sure we'll be reading throughout the episode. Um, but there's also a lot of like really kind of insightful moments that like only a child could really point out
1: definitely and I think it's cool to recognize that um the author when she was writing this book had like a five-year-old oh really yeah um her I think her son was five when she was writing this and she in one interview I read, talked about how she would like follow him around and like write down everything that he said and <laughs> tried to kind of capture that. But she also specifically says that like, I wrote like a five-year-old child, but also I didn't exactly write like a five-year-old child. Like I mm-hmm. wrote like a five-year-old child that an adult would want
0: to read. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I get- kind
1: of like she did have that awareness that you can't just transcribe a five-year-old. Like you have to make it readable.
0: Yeah, which is impressive because I think she does really well and it's hard to even say how she did that because it almost feels like just purely what a five-year-old would like stream of conscience like say. Yeah. Uh, but clearly it was very thought out and like, you know, edited to be interesting and engaging. Yeah. Uh. Similarly, the movie uh gives us a voiceover mm-hmm. um, from the character of Jack, uh, I think like as early as like the first moments of the film. Yeah. And... You kind of get a similar feel like it doesn't you're clearly not like limited to that perspective. Yeah. Um, But the film does a lot of things, I think, to constantly at least keep you aware of the character of Jack and kind of in his perspective as to what's going on. Yeah. And I think the voiceover does a big part of that.
1: It does. And I actually really liked the voiceover. I have heard some critics or read that some critics disliked the voiceover.
0: (laughs) That's just like a really contentious point about filmmaking in general. Mm. Uh, I think in a, uh, the movie adaptation, he goes to a screenwriting class, and that in movie's about screenwriting, and the guy giving the lecture is like, and God help you if you have a voiceover in your
1: film. <laughs> and of course, we've seen, you know, examples even on the podcast of bad voiceover. Yeah. Speaking of Blade Runner, but like... Um, I think in this instance, it's not used often. Yeah. It's not like the whole movie, but we just get little snippets of Jacob Tremblay, the star who uh, portrays Jack, just kind of free associating talking. And a lot of these lines are almost directly from the book.
0: Yeah. But I
1: just love getting like a little peek into Jack's mind, basically. And
0: not only that, but it it does lighten the film a lot when you get his perspective, like Mm -hmm. when they're trapped in room. And just to hear him kind of like talking about like the furnitures, his friends and like the things he and his mom do. And like it gives you that levity that I'm I can't think of any other way that you could really get. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like I know oftentimes voiceovers are compensating for like a poor script or like not communicating things properly. But like. What the voiceover in this film gives you, I can't imagine getting any other way. I agree. So I I think it's really successful in that way.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about Room. Uh, Jack and his mother, who he calls Ma, and we'll probably Mm -hmm. call her Ma throughout uh, the episode, uh, live in Room, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But to Jack, it's, like, everything. It's just of,
1: the room and then outer space. Yeah,
0: else. yeah. And we kind of get, like, both in book and film, kind of a breakdown of, like, their routine and their day-to-day activities.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, from cleaning to exercise and play mm-hmm. to kind of, like, nap or chill time. Uh, Jack gets to watch some TV. They do have a TV. Yeah. And for the most part, they kind of have, it's only all in one room, like, for toilet, bath, a little kitchenette, like all that stuff. It's just in one 11 foot by 11 foot square.
1: Yeah. And for being in this small space, like they seem to do a lot and to Jack every day is a wonder and we get this perspective in both the book and the movie where Jack's talking about his day and he's like, and then we do this thing and I love getting to water our plant. And then we do exercise and I run track across (laughs) like this tiny space. And, um, it's amazing how much routine and how much thought Ma has clearly put into these times with Jack because they are very structured. They have their exercise time. They have their bath time. They like wash their clothes. They like do the dishes. They have like their their meal times are very structured. They have a nap time. They have like a reading time, a TV time. Yeah,
0: she's very smart. They're very smart with what they have. Um, There's kind of all these little toys or activities that they keep doing or adding to. He has some type of... um, Cardboard tube maze. Uh, he has egg snake. Yes. Which is just this long uh, chain of eggshells that they keep adding to that I think is so funny. Yeah. Um,
1: but like all of these things in room are Jack's friends too.
0: Yeah. He, he, he personifies everything. Yeah.
1: And he doesn't call just bed the bed he's like it's bed and this is table and wardrobe and plant and meltedy spoon and like <laughs>
0: <Melted-y> spoon. <laughs> i love meltedy spoon
1: <laughs> they're all like very important to jack
0: yeah they're the one and only things like in his whole world essentially yeah i think uh where this thought process is most uh prevalent is in terms of like tv yes he they do have a TV and they watch TV, but in Jack's mind, these are like he knows they're just like light and sound. Mm-hmm. And in his mind they like come from outer space, like other planets. He keeps calling each channel its own planet. A different planet. Yeah, there's like workout planet and like uh
1: Nature Planet. Nature Planet. Cooking planet, cartoon,
0: planet. <laughs> cartoon Planet. Yeah. Uh one of my favorite comments in the whole book was like he's watching a home uh uh home renovation show <laughs> and all he says is like The woman is crying now because her house is yellow. (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs) Like, those insights are so funny. Um, Yeah. But, like, Jack doesn't think these things are real. He doesn't understand that, like, things other than cartoons are, like, real people, Mm -hmm. whether fictitious or reality or, like, news. He doesn't realize that they're, like, actual people in the world.
1: Yeah. And we find out, too, that this is intentional ma has told him that Mm -hmm. everything he sees on tv is not real and that the only things that are real are the two of them and everything that's in room and jack accepts this and he's fine with that yeah it's interesting when he does like a catalog of things in his mind that are real um he says like ma and i are real and like plant is real but not trees and like animals aren't real but i saw like an ant once and like a spider and like he doesn't know where how those things kind of intersect sometimes
0: yeah things are just like real or not real and he like knows dogs aren't real but he like still wants one yeah uh yeah so i think that's like a really kind of i don't know interesting just like how accepting he is at his age of like all these truths and it really makes you question like how long could he have gone believing these things? Because without, like, any external stimuli to disprove those thoughts, like, could he have grown into adulthood still believing that?
1: I think, too, this is an interesting parallel. And the author has talked about this in some interviews as well. Like, just this idea of parents lying to their children.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And how um, a lot of people will kind of have this idea That, well, when I have kids, I'm not going to lie to
0: them. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell them the truth all the the time. And then
1: you have a kid who's like, what's that? Like, explain it to me. And you're like, I don't fucking know. Like, (laughs) what are you supposed to say, you know? And how just we unintentionally lie to kids because it's easier and it's really hard for them to understand things. And so it's almost impossible to tell them the truth from a very young age. Like you have to give it to them gradually because they won't understand. Yeah.
0: Like it, what? Like Jack believes that like when they flush the toilet, it goes like straight out into the ocean. Yeah. And it's funny because like, you know, that's not true. But like, I also don't know what the steps between yeah. <laughs> those things are or like what actually happens to it. So mm-hmm. you can see how these things kind of like happen, like how these lies kind of get laid out. Yeah. You also get a sense very early on, and I mean, it's clear that, like, they have this, like, closeness and this connection. Yeah. And I mean, just because they're the only, essentially the only two people who they, they have, you know what I mean? They only have each other. Yeah. And so they're in this situation where, like, they're so just kind of like, I don't want to say the same person, but they're kind of like a unit in a way like
1: they are. And in fact, in the book, there's a line I think where Jack says like, he knows he's separate, but he's also like together with Ma. Yeah. Like he does kind of think of them as the same person in many ways.
0: Yeah. Well, like to flash forward a little bit, like later on when they're outside, he like has trouble understanding when people are talking to him or when Ma is talking or not talking to him. Yeah. Because before all Ma would have to do is say something. And Jack's like, I know she's talking to me. Yeah. And so it makes sense that later he'd be like, who, I don't know who, who I'm Jack. I know that. But like, who she's saying this to? And yeah. like, there's confusion there, which makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, it does. And it also makes sense that the two of them would really like hugely rely on each other because they literally are each other's world. Like there's nothing else in their world, but each other. And I think this bond is illustrated really well with the fact that like, ma still breastfeeds jack yeah and he's five at this point point. and at the beginning of the book she kind of says something like you're kind of older now do you like we can maybe like stop and he's like no um and i think this really illustrates like how close they are
0: yeah yeah and i think it's i don't know i think it's like pretty obvious like why this would keep have continued to happen like past the age of like when you would normally stop breastfeeding a child. Yeah. Because like first of all like they do get you know enough food I think of what you would typically have you know. Um, But like it might not always be the most nourishing like they might not always have vegetables or fruits or you know everything. Yeah. So like first of all it's just like a nutritional thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also this like uh sense of closeness and like comforting. Yeah. And you know it's like. Well, why the fuck not? Who would I be hiding this from? Like we're, yeah. we're trapped in here, you know. So mm-hmm. I think there's, I think it makes a lot of sense in the story.
2: Yeah, I but agree. I, but I
0: think also like a lot of people were probably like turned off by that from what I've read, or there was like I don't want to say controversy about it, but like
1: yeah, um, I I just want to like take a sidebar and talk about um wardrobe.
0: Yeah, let's talk about wardrobe.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Jack every night goes to sleep in wardrobe. And then later on, Ma, like, brings him back to sleep in the bed with her. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, he goes to sleep in a wardrobe. That makes sense. And then later on in the story, there's another reference, like, in the actual book where Ma says to Jack, like, oh, go put it in wardrobe. Yeah. And this is, like, in a totally different environment. Like, they're not in room anymore. And I was just kind of like, what? And this made me think about this. So, like, the author um, is Irish-born and then moved to Canada. Oh, okay. Um, But the story takes place in the U.S. and so does the movie. So I was like, is there a difference maybe between, like, words that are used in the U.S. versus in, like, the U.K. or Europe or even Canada? And then also, is there just, like, a difference in, like, furniture and, like, the way... That houses are arranged. So I kind of like doing just like a tiny bit of research, not scientific at all. um, (laughs) Not a thorough investigation. On the internet, um, realized that like Americans don't really use the word wardrobe.
0: Yeah, well, I I usually think of wardrobe as a piece of furniture. Yeah,
1: so like in the U.S., when we think of a wardrobe, we think like the lion, the witch, in the wardrobe, like a piece of furniture that you hang your clothes in. But apparently it can, that word can be used um, to also refer to like a closet.
0: Yeah, that's interesting Yeah. uh, to me. And we recently read like this short article about like, how pandemics like changed things in homes and I didn't realize this but it makes sense that like closets like actual closets built off of rooms weren't something that were like a part of homes until like kind of later yeah Um, it was more of a cleanliness thing because it's easier to clean than like a whole big piece of furniture yeah uh but yeah and so I think a lot of older homes used to have wardrobes, but I'm guessing maybe in the U.S. because more homes are a little more modern or like built more recently. Like they have closets. We don't need wardrobes. Yeah. And it wasn't until you mentioned this whole thing to me that I realized I'm like, you know what? It is weird in the story that they have a piece of furniture, a wardrobe.
1: Yeah, especially in a very small space.
0: Yeah, that they
1: would have that much space being taken up by a wardrobe, which is something that I don't think anyone in the U.S. has anymore. (laughs) I mean, there's certainly not going out on (laughs) a limb there. I'm sure someone does. But like nobody really has these anymore. And if you had something kind of similar, like some kind of IKEA setup, it would definitely be kind of like an open concept like or just, just yeah, something to hang stuff a clothes on. rack, a clothes yeah. rack. Like it wouldn't be a piece of furniture. Um, and so, yeah, definitely more in the US. We have like closets, which like have doors that are like built into the wall that you can like, yeah.
0: put stuff in. But you raised the question of like, is wardrobe in the book? like, a physical piece of furniture, yeah. or was it meant to be, like, a closet?
1: Which I'm not sure. So, you know, international listeners, please share, like, what do you call the thing that you put your clothes in, and is it built into the wall, or is it, like, a separate piece of furniture? Well, And
0: what did you picture reading this yeah. book? If yeah. you read the book before the movie, did you picture a piece of furniture, or... I thought that was, like, a really interesting... Uh, because I didn't even question it until you brought it up.
1: Yeah. Well, it also goes back to like, we had a comment from an, a listener at one point who said they were excited to hear we were biweekly because it meant we were coming out with two episodes a week. Yeah. And then we were like, why would you think that? And then we, I like looked it up and I realized that in the US bi-weekly means every other week. And then in some other countries it means twice a week. Yeah. So that makes sense, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally, just like not English. Yeah. Uh, always screwing us over. Although shame on that person for thinking we're reading and doing an episode on an adaptations twice a week. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um this this leads us into uh old, well, we, we mentioned the set too, uh, the wardrobe being a part of the set. Yeah. And the film set is is really interesting. I was reading that they built this space, this 11 foot by 11 foot uh, set for room. And you'd think with a, such a tight space that it would break down in terms of like uh, walls being removed to like yeah. allow cameras, easy access, things like that. But actually, once they built that space, uh, they had everything set up. And they filmed within that space among the furniture and the actors. And like, wow, it must have been like only a, like three other people, like including the director mm-hmm. and maybe the director was the uh, cinematographer, too. I'm not sure that happened. I thought I
1: read that they would take the wall like one wall down to film.
0: I read I read that they didn't, mm. but we we oftentimes run into different
1: accounts. Yeah,
0: so yeah. I'm, I'm not totally certain. Maybe we'll follow this up on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um cuz I read that the director spent a lot of time in the bathtub uh during scenes cuz it was like one of the only like out of the way places that he could kind of like go into.
1: I did read that they made sure that when they were filming that the camera was always inside room.
0: Okay. And
1: not like outside even when they were filming like If they had a wall down, like they made sure the the camera was like inside.
0: OK, maybe that's what this thing was referring to. I'm not sure, but we'll Mm -hmm. follow up on Twitter with this. (laughs) Uh, Regardless, I think the space is like really it helps to see it, I think, in the film.
1: It really helped me to see it. When you're reading, like, it's so hard to understand how small this is. Yeah. Like, it really is. And to the author's credit, like, she tells us over and over and over how small it is. But I just can't get there on my own. No, I was like, please just draw me a diagram that's to scale, like, have it in the book. Like, I need need some kind of map. Like, I, I need to know. But immediately seeing it, and that's, like, the first shots in the movie, is, like, kind of showing us all the different parts of room. Um. And you immediately see like how sallow the lighting is because it's just the light from like the skylight at the top and then just like some lamps, the like shitty cork board that makes (laughs) it look so dingy and gross and that like I knew was in room from reading the book, but I couldn't picture it, you know?
0: Yeah, but it's also filmed in such a way with like these really shallow depths of field kind of close-ups on things like from Jack's perspective while he's narrating that you do feel this kind of like intimacy with it like this almost like po- positive association to a degree like understanding how he sees these objects in this setting and everything so yeah. I think the film does a good job of like it's not like this like hellish dungeon that, no like, it's is,
2: not yeah yeah
0: but like you said you kind of get both sides of it you see how depressing it is for Ma Uh, But then also how Jack can kind of view it in this like positive light.
1: Yeah, I will say, though, I really appreciated getting to visually see it. And I think it struck me a lot more than reading about it did.
0: Yeah. um, Let's talk about Old Nick.
1: Old Nick.
0: Old Nick. uh, One of the kind of like this almost like seems like something that'd be in like a stephen king book
1: yeah like it
0: has that creepy like
1: there's almost like a mythology folklore aspect to him and even jack doesn't know if he's real or not
0: yeah i I love he's
1: like maybe half
0: i loved him saying (laughs) he was like half real yeah i thought that was so unsettling it was um but old nick is someone who shows up at night um never on a consistent schedule but like always at night. Yeah. Um he visits ma and makes the bed squeak mm-hmm. as jack like understands it. Uh jack is always hiding in wardrobe when old nick comes. Yeah. And it seems like sometimes old nick is like he's aware of jack. Um and sometimes is kind of like talking to the wardrobe, but ma is always steering him away from that. She
1: doesn't want old nick to even look at jack No, and we get after piecing a lot of this together we kind of find out the truth that like ma was kidnapped by old nick um when she was a teen and placed in room and you know jack is the result of the abuse that she has suffered like continuously for seven years now Mm -hmm. and It's interesting. We don't learn really anything about old Nick. And I think that's intentional. You know, the story is about Ma and Jack and old Nick is a part of it, but it's not his story. Um, So I think the author and the filmmakers intentionally keep him pretty like vague and just like this malevolent presence in their life that's disrupting their like for the most part, like peaceful life together
0: yeah and like you said he's not he doesn't abuse jack he like doesn't even like interact with him at all um but even i think jack is like kind of afraid of him or uncertain of him yeah and we we do get different glimpses of kind of the level of abuse like obviously it's almost always a sexual abuse like every night that he visits yeah um he's constantly gaslighting her kind of saying like because she'll ask for things that they need. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, like, don't I give you enough? Like, you have food and, like, a place to stay in. And, like, he'll tell her things, like, you don't know what the world is like out there anymore. Yeah. Um. At one point, he says, thinking isn't your strong suit. Uh, Just kind of constantly trying to put her in her place.
1: Yeah. And it's a, a situation where he's literally kidnapped her, raped her. Um, kept her prisoner but wants her to like thank him for the things that he provides you know and he's like thank you you know I could never get a thank you it's like pulling teeth with you and like putting her in that position where she has to like placate him despite the fact that he is the one that is you know doing all of this abusive stuff to her and she's constantly you know walking this tightrope trying to keep him appeased Mm -hmm. um, because she doesn't want him to be angry because that could potentially put her and Jack in in danger.
0: Yeah. And we also find out uh, that early on when she was locked up, she tried attacking Nick to get out, um, but he broke her wrist. Yeah. And it kind of like was her first and last real attempt at escaping in that way. Yeah. Um, And I also love because you find out that like some of their activities uh like uh they scream for a while and even though like room is soundproofed like they spend like some time every day uh screaming like at the skylight like trying to get someone to hear them or Uh, yeah
1: ma sometimes like will be flashing the light at night
0: sos yeah yeah uh And, and like, Jack doesn't understand. He just knows she's turning the lights on and off at night and it, like, wakes him up. Yeah. Um, But I love, like, at first, like, what the fuck is going on? And then things, pieces start falling into place uh, Mm -hmm. the more you read.
1: There's an episode that happens in both the book and the movie where, like, old Nick kind of, like, tries to interact with Jack. And um, depending on the version, like, Ma kind of, like, freaks out and tries to, like, get Jack away from old Nick. Yeah. And old Nick starts to strangle Ma and is like choking her. And Jack, of course, is really scared. And then he leaves. And like, this is a very terrifying scene.
0: Yeah, because Jack is kind of, I mean, just like a curious kid. Yeah. And quickly this situation turns violent and he has to watch his mom uh, get hurt. And so it's kind of, I think, very scarring for him. And obviously, I mean, terrible for Ma as well, who is like physically strangled in this moment. Yeah. Um, But... Nick was, like, still upset about it, and he turns off their, uh, the, the electricity to room yeah. for a while, and so Ma and, uh, Jack kind of have to get by without heat, uh, without being able to cook their food, Yeah. um, no In fact, TV. they're, like, running
1: out of food. In the book, they have three days without power, yeah. so that's three days, and I think it's supposed to be, like, March or April at this point, so it's cold, and... Like, all their food in the fridge and in the freezer is going bad, too. Yeah. Um, and they can't, obviously, heat anything up. So, just, like, how twisted this is. Like, even in their, like, terrible situation. The fact that, like, Ma tries so hard to, like, keep things under control and think keep things safe for Jack. And then to, like, in this instance, have that be taken away. Even that little bit of, like, control that she yeah. had. She also finds out around this time that old Nick has lost his job. And he's yeah. been laid off for the past six months. And we are very scared to find this out. And so is Ma.
0: Yeah. And this is, uh, you know, at first, like, I I didn't understand or think about the significance of this. Um, but it's not until later that Ma kind of lays it out for Jack uh, in terms of, like, she's like, listen, he doesn't own his house. If he can't pay his mortgage, the bank is going to try to take the house. Yeah. And if they do that... Nick isn't going to be able to keep us and Jack is like oh so he'd let us go and she said like, no he'll
1: never let us he'll go. never
0: let us go and like
1: we as the reader understand that if situation gets de- desperate for old Nick like he'll kill them yeah and that's what Ma's Ma afraid of
0: yeah and I, I kind of think that's a really I don't I'm not sure that's fully communicated in the film yeah um but in the book I think it's more communicated so there's like this ticking time bomb element of like We have to figure something out soon, because who knows if he, you know, tries to kill us when that would even happen.
1: Yeah. And so Ma, around this time, tries to explain, re-explain what reality is to Jack and tell him that there's a whole world outside and that she was lying before when she said it was all made up and it was all in TV um, and she's unlying now. And Jack does not like this
0: (laughs) he's not about this no he's not cool with it no uh but it does give us a um a really good scene between them when she's trying to like figure out the right words and she i love it too because she's like explaining like the things you see on tv are real and the first thing jack says is like so dora's real (laughs) like the one thing he's very
1: concerned about dora yeah
0: the one thing that isn't she's like no dora's a drawing and like (laughs) Um, tries to explain trees, and he's like, "I can't see them if I look out skylight." And she's like, "That's because they're not like they're
1: they're sideways. They're
0: sideways. <laughs> like, you can't look at them going straight up." And and Jack thinks she's like messing with him or, like, playing with him. Yeah. um, But he's, like, still not about it. And And
1: he doesn't want to believe it because he doesn't want to change the way he's thought about things for this whole
0: time. Yeah. It's a a really good and, I think, really frustrating scene because I think you feel for both of them in this moment. Yeah. You feel so bad for Ma trying to, like, explain this to him. And you feel bad for him because he's like just a kid and he like doesn't want to have to totally like.
1: And he can't handle this. No,
0: he can't like change his, or he doesn't want to change like his entire worldview um, and understand that like old Nick is like actually really scary and dangerous. And uh, that there are things that like Ma can't protect him from. Um, Maybe here is a good spot to talk about. The acting duo of Jacob Tremblay and Brie Larson. Wow, because I mean they just are so <laughs> so freaking good in this movie. Uh, Jacob Tremblay specifically, yeah, is just like so good as Jack.
1: I know he's he manages to be sweet but annoying, but innocent, but also like so funny.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: it's just like, how?
0: <laughs> and like later on when he's out in the world, he's like very shy and quiet. Um, But like, you know, is shouting down Brie Larson in scenes. Yeah. I-, I forget. We did an episode recently where there were child characters or actors in the film that were important. And I remember thinking like, they're, they're okay, but you really needed like a Jacob Tremblay type in this role. Yeah. Because there's such the rare actor you know what i mean like child actor where it just feels so natural and they're so likable and endearing and i mean it's it's really just phenomenal
1: yeah and he was like seven almost eight when he made this movie um yeah. so like it definitely wasn't five um it would be very difficult to get like a I, five-year-old to do this i was
0: gonna ask you because i i had read that he was eight When they filmed this, and I was wondering because I have I can't even tell you the last time I like saw a child. I don't know what (laughs) I don't know what children at certain ages are supposed to look like, but you work with kids more frequently. Did he look five? No. I mean, I
1: could tell he was older than five, but not by much. He's pretty small. So, yeah.
0: okay. I was just curious if that was like immediately apparent or or not. But yeah, I mean, regardless, he's just phenomenal in this movie as well as. Brie Larson.
1: Yeah, Brie Larson is just so amazing. And I honestly love the opportunity to get a little more of her in the movie.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: While I love Jack's narration in the book, it is a bit limiting. And we don't see a lot of what Ma deals with. It's only through Jack's perspective and his like vision of Ma and what he sees. Um, So I really did like getting to see her interact with Jack and like their conflicts, even their fights, and like you know their love for each other, and just the way that she's kind of looking at the world and the way that she's dealing with everything. Yeah, um, Brie Larson like really channeled that so strongly. Yeah,
0: and she really is vulnerable and like I don't know, it never comes across as her being like this righteous like motherly figure who no. who would do anything to protect her child. Like no. You get that, but, like, it's not this kind of preachy kind of portrayal or role in my mind. Honestly, though, Jacob Tremblay deserves an Oscar for delivering the line, uh... Room is only stinky when you do a fart. I love that. While crying. (laughs) He was crying and delivered that line. Like, he's so good in this movie.
1: I love that part. That's so great. I love when they're in the movie when they're fighting about the dog, Lucky. (laughs) And Ma is just like, Lucky's not real. You made him up. And then he just, like, starts crying. And Ma is just like...
0: <laughs> just like feels bad but is also just so tired yes
1: <laughs> um ma is obviously dealing with a lot at this time and so she occasionally has like a gone day yeah. which is how Jack talks about it where she just like stays in bed all day and we get one such day like this um in the movie as well. Um, And I think this is just showing us kind of like she is like literally doing so much to just keep them like calm and safe and happy. And like sometimes it's too much.
0: Yeah. In my mind, it's something that like to raise Jack in this environment and protect him. She has to be on like 24 7 yeah it's like full- time like even more full-time than being a regular parent like she could not escape him yeah and like to do that constantly like eventually like every so often you would just like shut down exactly you know what I mean to like regroup mentally like you just couldn't continue that mm-hmm. I- indefinitely
1: yeah and it's after one of these days that ma starts to have an idea about how they could escape.
0: And this begins uh, their plan, uh, their uh, Count of Monte Cristo plan Yes. Uh, to get Jack to, to for them both to escape yes. in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, the first
1: part of the plan is to pretend that Jack is sick and then old Nick will have to take him to the ER. And mm-hmm. once he's in the ER, he can give them a note that says I've been kidnapped and then the police will come and everything will be fine.
0: This part's stressful in both versions, but for some reason, reading about it, because you get both like the stress of like the real situation of like just trying to pull this off and then the stress of Ma trying to get uh, Jack to like go along with this plan and his fear yeah, and him just being like, no way, Jose, like I'm not going to do this. And she has to like convince him, but it's also super scary and she feels bad and like
1: he's just a kid, but she has to put all this pressure on him. But you also don't like blame her for wanting to try this you know it's it's such a perfectly balanced situation i think where you feel so bad for jack and you're like he shouldn't have to deal with this but then you're like this is like the only way yeah they have no other plan and no other way to possibly get them out and you understand why ma is pushing him so hard and this all like i feel like becomes even the most strong when that first plan fails
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: then the second plan is to pretend that jack died instead
0: yeah, and after the first plan fails, we get a really great scene in the movie. And it's one of the few, there's not many moments in the film that, like, are outside of Jack's perspective. Yeah. But this is one where Ma is kind of, like, up at night. And Brie Larson, this is one of those moments she does such a good job and You can just see the wheels turning. Yeah. And then her start to cry. And
1: she's just, like, weeping. And then in her cut with this is, like, a voiceover Of her talking to Jack and being like, here's our new plan. And she's like super chipper and upbeat. And she's like, we're going to pretend. And it's going to be like, you know, the Count of Monte Cristo. And you're going to pretend to be dead. Um, But we also, we see her weeping. And we understand that this is like a super desperate plan. And like, it becomes very obvious to us how desperate this plan is very quickly. Because I would not rate this plan's uh, rate of success (laughs) as very strong.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of probable downfalls to this plan that we will probably address as we go through it. Yeah,
1: so she's going to pretend that he's dead. She's going to roll him up in the rug and then tell old Nick to take him somewhere nice to bury him. Um, And then when he's in the back of the truck, Jack just has to unroll from rug, get up, jump out of the truck once it's stopped, run to a person, give them the note, tell them that he's been kidnapped and then come back for her.
0: Yes, even though he doesn't like even though the note is the only thing that well, she doesn't even know where they no, are. No, she has
1: no idea where they are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, so that's the whole plan. Uh, I love the scenes of her and Jack practicing him getting out of the rug. Yeah. Specifically the moment when she has to help him. Or when he does finally get himself unrolled, and when as soon as he's out, he just screams, "I hate you!" Yeah. Uh it's like so heartbreaking, but it's like so good, Jacob Tremblay.
1: It is, uh, and you can see her pushing him really hard, and you can see how frustrated he is and how scared, like he's trapped in this rug, uh, and she keeps rolling him back up and making him practice over and over.
0: Once again, the the filming of this movie is so good. They get in so tight, like in those shots of him in the rug, like you feel like yeah. you're in there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but so. So finally old Nick is coming and she has to roll him up quickly. And this is like the first very iffy part of the plan, because she has to convince him he's dead without letting him see him. Yeah. And get him to like take him outside and bury him elsewhere, just not, not in the backyard. In the yard. Yeah. Uh and so she does a pretty good job of this, I'd say, except for when she's like. Promise me you won't look at him with your filthy eyes. And I'm like, uh. Uh-uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think it has been established that she doesn't allow Nick to look at Jack.
0: I guess that's true.
1: So that's been kind of already established. So I think that does kind of go in line with like what has happened before and the way that like Jack has interacted with old Nick so far.
0: Yeah, and I guess like once he's outside with the rolled up body, like he's not gonna, even in his backyard, he probably wouldn't unroll it for fear of anyone peeking.
1: Yeah, that's true. So I guess
0: once he's outside with the rug, you're kind of okay in that regard.
1: But he could bury him in the yard.
0: <laughs> he could, he could still do that. Yeah. Um, cause like Ma would never know. Yeah. Uh, even though that would still probably be risky. Um, but anyway, he does take Jacob, or he, I see, I knew I was gonna call him <laughs> Jacob. He does take Jack out to the truck, and this begins uh, the music for this sequence in the film that is so good, and I think this is funny because, so it's a song, it's not the score, it's a Mm. song called The Mighty Rio Grande by Mm. This Will Destroy You, and if anyone who's seen this movie, or maybe you, Adina, thought this music was, did you find it familiar at all, or? No. So this song is played repeatedly in the film Moneyball. Oh, huh. And I actually always thought it was an original score for Moneyball. Yeah. Because they use this song a lot in the, in Moneyball. Huh. Um, but it obviously it isn't. And this film uses the song as well. But, like, it's such a good song. Both those films use it so well. It's kind of got this building, kind of eerie, but beautiful kind of tone to it. Yeah. I think it captures, like, the kind of, like hopeful building up and to this triumphant moment when you Jacob
1: know, I know you I did said it Jacob, <laughs> you did this to me it's your fault I, ins-
0: I incepted it in your brain. You did this <laughs> uh, sorry when, when Jack unrolls when Jack unrolls in the back of the truck and like <laughs> catches a glimpse of like the whole sky. The scene is beautiful. It's oh so well done. It's like yeah. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um but once again in terms of the plan In the book, it's explained that she knows he still has this truck. Yeah. um, Because he's talked about it. In the movie, we're not told that. Yeah. Um, But she's like, I know he still has this truck uh, because he complains about it still. But regardless, he could have a ton of shit in that back that wouldn't let jack move at all yeah but conveniently like he's very cleanly i guess and the entire <laughs> truck bed is like cleared out yeah and has plenty of room for jack to squirm around and unroll in that's
1: true he might not be able to unroll i didn't even think of that yeah
0: if, he, if he's just like kind of like <laughs> packed in with some stuff like
1: yeah he would be trapped oh god
0: i i know
1: uh.
0: um but and also like he's driving past a ton of stuff like he just like railroad tracks and like i don't know even at stop signs it's like there's probably no one around in this area.
1: Yeah, and it's nighttime. Like, it's past nine, which is when he usually comes. So yeah. who was, who's going to be around? Yeah, it's a very, very desperate plan. But luckily, everything goes pretty well. Um, Jack is able to unroll from the rug. He manages to jump out, but an Old Nick sees him. Um, so he runs, and he runs towards someone walking their dog. And the interaction, even though Old Nick gets there and kind of grabs Jack, the interaction is weird enough that, like, the guy walking his dog is kind of like, what's happening?
0: I just want to say there's one detail in the book that for me sold this moment. Yeah. That the movie didn't do. And that is Jack kind of surprises the owner and the dog and the dog bites his finger. Uh Uh-huh. And so when... Old Nick comes and kind of takes the kid away. The guy's like, Oh shit, like, are you okay? My dog bit you. Are you okay? Yeah. And the fact that old Nick is like not caring about that, I think is the biggest thing that sets off an alarm. Yeah. In the film, old Nick is just like, I'm going to be as creepy and suspicious as I possibly can yeah
1: and also Jack is like screaming and like saying help and
0: (laughs) yeah well I guess more towards the end like at first he's kind of like quiet yeah I think it's not till like a little bit near when he's like going into the truck again that he yells for help but like I don't know old Nick does not do even like he doesn't do anything he to, doesn't try to try like, to play no. it off.
1: He's not like, oh, yeah, thanks. We're fine. Like, OK. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's just like, get over here. Yeah. And then as soon as the guy is like, hey, like, this is weird. Like, I'm writing down your plates like right now. Uh, Nick just like drops Jack and then like peels out. Yeah. And he's like, OK, well, I'm calling the police. Um. So, I mean, Jack definitely got it lucky there that old Nick just kind of like panicked and is like, bye. Yeah.
0: He was lucky that old Nick was like super suspicious and that he found like a really decent guy who yeah. was like willing to kind of like interfere mm-hmm. and like question Nick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, but this kind of begins like the second moment of suspense because like old Nick kind of peel, he, he kind of like does a U-turn and goes back. Yeah. And you're like, is he going back for Ma? Like what the fuck is he, he going to kill her? Like, Yeah.
1: And in fact, in I think both versions, Ma it almost implies that like she doesn't think she's going to make it?
0: No, yeah. Like
1: she thinks he might come back and kill her and she's I think sort of prepared for that and this is like her only idea of how to save Jack if not herself. Um but we don't know what's happened to Ma and like the police come and oh my god this is such a stressful scene like in both the book and the movie when Jack is trying to explain where they are and he's like room and they're like room where like what in house and he says something like room's not on any map and they're like oh my god
0: what (laughs) what's outside of room he's like outer space
1: (laughs) god it's like freaking like detective work here yeah trying to piece together
0: but there's this great uh female officer uh officer o yeah uh and She like is really like patient with him, yes. And she eventually figures out that like when he was in this rug rolled up, they made two stops in a turn, yes. And she's able to figure out like okay, I know that room is like in
1: this neighborhood, yeah,
0: three stops away from this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, but the whole time she's trying to figure this out, there's this other oh my god douchebag cop in the front seat being like, ah, it's a lost cause. Like,
1: I know this is like definitely more in the movie, but I just wanted to strangle him. He's like, oh, <laughs> should we just like call like child protected service services and be like, okay, here's a kid. Bye. He keeps like, like
0: interrupting. Yeah.
1: I'm like, can you do your job? Like can pretend you, to do your job.
0: Shut the fuck up, sir.
1: Yeah. I would have expected nothing less from a man.
0: I know <laughs> a, a male cop. Yeah. Uh, but eventually uh they discover the house and i remember first watching this movie and you're just so in suspense as to like yeah i was so sure that uh Mob is gonna be dead yeah but they do they they eventually she comes out of the yard yeah a great moment when in she's the film running to
2: him ugh.
0: and they're, they're reunited uh
2: this is amazing
0: yeah and and i i love even though the plan is like super risky and, like, probably almost never would have worked in, like, a real situation. Like, I do love that it was one that, like, had Jack saving Ma yeah. that put him in the driving seat of the narrative in terms of, like, him having to, like, do this. Yeah. Um. So I really love it for that reason.
1: Yeah. And I do just want to take a moment to mention that there is, like, a real life scenario that happened that kind of inspired the author to write this story she said that she didn't base the story on this specifically but like heard about it in the news and it kind of triggered her into wanting to write her own version of this type of story but there was a real case um and it's called the the fritzel case and it took place in austria and it's the story of this man who actually Um, locked up his 18 year old daughter in this like basement, like cellar, like apartment uh, for 24 years and actually fathered seven children with her. And the reason that she and her children were able to escape was because one of them actually got sick and was like in a coma. And she like begged her father to take this child to the emergency room. And he finally did. But this kind of ended up being where all of this came out and like the freeing of her and her kids and it's a really terrible story so don't look it up if it's gonna like if you're upset by things like that like I'm just gonna say don't look it up and just accept my like very short version yeah. of it um, or if you do look it up like don't read it right before you go to sleep because it's really upsetting
0: yeah well and I mean there have been cases since the book came out that have been similar one was in Cleveland Ohio yeah and actually it's interesting because um, the movie I noticed in the opening credits that it was like like filmed in Canada, I thought. And yeah. I looking up later, it was filmed in Toronto. But it does definitely take place in the U.S. And apparently the cop cars are um, from Ohio. Mm. Uh, Akron, Ohio, actually. Uh, and one of these cases that happened after the book came out did happen I think in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. Um, so I don't know if that was kind of like an, a nod to that or something. But uh, yes, I mean unfortunately this story is uh, not that like
1: out there yeah. of a concept. Like it's yeah. happened before. Yeah, and I, I like though that like this does have like a happy-ish ending in the fact that like they're both able to escape. Mm-hmm. Although this is only half of the story. Um, we get to see what happens after they leave, and I think maybe a different type of book would have left it here.
0: Yeah, that's what's surprising. I think is that like the escape from room is only the first half. Yeah. And this is actually something that like, I think I was never totally aware of in film, but it makes a lot of sense. That, like in the three act structure, I mean, you usually think about it in three acts, the opening act, the middle portion. Yeah. And then the end, but like all films have, or I mean, I don't want to say all, but like typically have a midpoint that shifts the whole story. Yeah. And I think it's like super apparent here that like, The escape is the midpoint and that's the big shift. And And now I think
1: that would be the finale, but it's not.
0: Yeah. And suddenly it's like, well, what happens when we take this mother and son that have spent their whole lives or he spent his whole life in room and bring them back into the real world? Yeah. And so uh, the film has an amazing scene after their rescue where they wake up in a hospital and Jack wakes up before Ma and he's kind of just like, I mean, first of all, like there's so many sensory things that they portray so well in the film, like the bright sunlight coming in. Yeah. The feel of... Um, His
1: feet touching the cold floor. Yeah,
0: or just like the um, the bedding, uh-huh. the smell of things. Yeah, the, the feet on the floor especially. Yeah. I think was very... You just understood what that feels like and how foreign that would be to him.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so it does a really good job of capturing his experience in this new environment
1: yeah and in the book they spend quite a lot of time or at least it feels like that a lot of pages anyway in the hospital and they're kind of being like assessed for like what has happened to them like ma has to get like she has to get a rape kit done like she has to be like Mm -hmm. thoroughly like tested and examined and evidence gathered um because of what happened to her and like jack has to get his shots like he's never been vaccinated yeah. you know um and while they're in the hospital like jack is just experiencing so many things for the first time and it's really overwhelming for him because literally everything in his life is different and the only thing that's the same is his mom is still there
0: and even early on like when they're in the police car before they go to the hospital jack talks about being tired And he's like, I want to go to bed. And she's like, we'll find a bed for you to sleep in. He's like, no, I want to go to room. Yeah,
1: let's go back to bed in room. Yeah. And
0: just that initial immediate understanding or lack of understanding from Jack that like room is done. That's a closed chapter of their life and everything else is like totally unknown and foreign to him.
1: Yeah. And it's really hard for him to understand that. They also end up seeing like a psychiatrist as well, because there's obviously a lot to they want to evaluate Jack. They want to talk to Ma. Um, Because she's been through so much. And there's this really great scene where Jack is supposed to be having a session with uh, Dr. Clay, the psychiatrist, in the book. And Ma is kind of like there too and ends up engaging in this conversation. And I feel like it really represents like just the mindset that Ma had to have in Room. So I'll just um, read this section. Um, And this is the uh, psychiatrist asking Jack, you never got Play-Doh for one of your Sunday treats, he asks. It dries out. That's Ma butting in. Ever think of that? Even if you put it back in the tub, like religiously, after a while it starts going leathery. I guess it would, says Dr. Clay. That's the same reason I asked for crayons and pencils, not markers. And cloth diapers, and whatever would last, so I wouldn't have to keep ask again a week later. He keeps nodding. We made flour dough, but it was always white. Ma's sounding mad. You think I wouldn't have given Jack a different color of Play-Doh every day if if I could have? Dr. Clay says Ma's other name. Nobody's expressing any judgment about your choices and strategies. Noreen says it works better if you add as much salt as flour. Did you know that? I didn't know that. How would I? I never thought to ask for food coloring even if I'd only had the first freaking clue. And just this like yeah, description of how she had to think to survive mm-hmm. and she had to think to ask for things that would be like the least likely to get Him angry at her and to make him hurt her or Jack.
0: Well, and clearly she's dealing with like a lot of second guessing now and guilt about like, yeah, of like, if only I hadn't, like, you know, even though she's defending herself, I'm sure she's thinking, like, if only I had known that, you know what I mean? He could have had Play Doh or we could have done this. She had not done enough for him. Yeah. And it's like, you kind of get that back and forth a lot of her having to defend her choices. Yeah. But clearly, like, she has, she's, being put in the position time and time again, once they're out of having to like defend herself and what she's done. Yeah. Um, one of those things that's interesting is uh, regarding the breastfeeding we yeah. mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like even her mom, when she finds out that uh, Jack is still being breastfed is like repulsed. Yeah. And the author actually uh, said something about this too. She said, it's funny. I didn't think too much about my decision to have Ma still breastfeeding Jack because it made absolute sense to me at every, every level. Mutual comfort primarily, but yes, nutrition, some contraceptive effect at least at first, a calming routine for both of them. Only when someone read the first draft and reacted with revulsion did I realize the nursing would be a problem for some readers. But I was determined to leave it in because it's a lovely example of how we officially approve of mother, of mother love Uh, but actually set strict limits to how visceral, possessive, physical it's allowed to be.
1: That's a really great quote. And I think like there has been a lot of conversation lately about like, you know, people being uncomfortable with like, mothers breastfeeding in public or things like that, you know, and it's like, why are certain things okay, but other things not. And I'll admit that like, Yeah, a woman, like, breastfeeding a five-year-old does make me personally uncomfortable.
0: But yeah, I mean, like, this whole thing of, like, you know, women are judged if they don't breastfeed their kid, because they're like, a formula doesn't have, like, all the nutrition they need. (laughs) Yeah. Or, uh, you know, if they breastfeed the child for, like, too long, or if they breastfeed them in public, or...
1: Not long enough, or... Yeah. yeah. Like, you didn't... You also bottle-fed? Yeah, it's like, I think just this theme in general that women face... When they are mothers, that they are not doing enough and that whatever they're doing is like not the right choice. And I think also this idea that people are always wanting to tell you how you should be a parent as Mm -hmm. well. And I think it's really hard. And I'm not a mother personally, but like I can't imagine the pressure that you feel, even just a normal mother trying to do the best thing for their kid and literally being like, I have this child that's like relying on me to make these choices and what if i make the wrong one and then everyone telling you that you're doing it wrong and that you're not good enough like damn
0: (laughs) i i know and this story of like she literally had to like raise this kid in these horrible conditions and you're still gonna fucking judge her for like anything that she did yeah it's kind of it's really crazy um Speaking of uh, her parents, though, she is reunited with her mother uh, and her father, but there is this kind of great moment in both versions, or maybe more specifically in the movie. I can't think of the book, but like she discovers that her parents got divorced. Yeah. Which I mean, you can totally understand, like facing the tragedy of like your daughter disappearing would like put such a strain on a marriage. Definitely. So she finds out her parents are split up. Uh, Her mom is living with like a new guy named Leo. Yeah. Uh, And the dad in the book was away in Australia. I'm not sure you find out where he is in the film. Just like he he had to take a plane Mm -hmm. Um, played by William H. Macy in, in the film. And there's kind of a whole different set of challenges she faces, like kind of dealing with her parents.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because when she was kidnapped, In the movie she was seventeen, in the book she was nineteen. She she was still very much a child. And so when she comes back and she has a child of her own, like they kind of run into some conflicts with like I think, her mom wanting to parent her still. Yeah. Even though Ma sees herself as, like, an adult now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very new for them. In the movie, they pretty much go back to live with um, Grandma and Leo right away. And so they run into conflicts, too, where, like, Grandma really wants to talk to Joy, which is Mom Ma's name in the movie, about, like, what happened to her, but she doesn't want to talk about it.
0: Yeah, and it's tough, too, because, like uh joy's mother grandma like also went through some like really tough shit when her daughter just disappeared and was gone for seven years yeah but it's like it's hard to acknowledge that uh struggle in the face of joy's struggle of being imprisoned and raped night after night like for seven years you know what i mean because it's like you do feel bad for the grandmother but like I'm sure she can't feel like any ability to like express her own frustrations because like how would you even
2: <laughs> yeah
1: to your
0: daughter in that situation and I
1: think Ma is facing the reality of like life after room and I think for so long she didn't allow herself to imagine what it would be like to escape and now she's back in the world and she finds it. Parts of it she doesn't understand anymore or it's not what she thought it would be or it's more challenging than she thought in many ways and like it's frustrating too because Jack is so needing her right now Mm -hmm. and is so like overwhelmed by everything that he's like just as much work if not more outside of room yeah even though she has like her grandma or her mother to like help her with jack like it's still so much work
0: yeah and she's not taking care of herself i think this is really highlighted especially in the film i think the the setup of this makes i don't want to say more sense in the film but i like the fact that like she leaves the hospital so early and there's a scene of her talking to the psychiatrist where he's like, are you sure? Have you thought about what we've talked about? Yeah. And she's like, no, I just want to get home. And clearly, like, she's kind of rushing through. I think she wants to return to normalcy so quickly. Yeah. Without actually addressing, like, the trauma. Dealing tra-
2: with what happened. Yeah, the
0: trauma that she's been through and all that stuff. Uh, so I think it's, like, a good setup in the film for kind of, like, what she's facing and how she's ignoring it.
1: Yeah. And... There's also a lot of media attention that's happening right now, too, um, because this is, like, a huge news story, um, as, like, similar cases in real life have been, because this is, like, terrifying. And also the fact that they escaped is, like, very dramatic. And Ma is pressured into doing, like, a TV interview. Yeah. And her lawyer kind of, like, paints it as, like, you can make money off of this and you'll, you'll need, need money. money. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah. And I think this is uh, a really good point of both versions as well because, like, I've read—we we both read this article. It was kind of critical of the book and call it, like, voyeuristic in yeah. terms of, like— I don't want to say, like, you know, playing up the—her being imprisoned and kind of, like, uh— playing off this idea and like people like wanting to imagine this or like curious about this kind of situation. But I think for me, the book highlights it contrasts itself with that idea with this media attention yeah, and showing the people uh, in the real world who like, are eager for, like, the, the details about what happened and, like, how she escaped and, like, what she had to do in captivity, like, what yeah. her son's doing and, like...
1: Photos of them, like, is her son super fucked up now? Like, they want to know. They would rather almost, like, he was, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: and, and like, the media in the book kind of makes him out to be that way. They, kept, they get some photos and footage of him when they first got out. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he's, like, lashing out at the police and he looks, like, He's, emaciated. like, mentally,
1: like slow and all this stuff yeah Yeah, and like ma eventually does this tv interview and like in both versions the interviewer is just a piece of shit i think in the book she's much worse
0: she just has more time to be shitty
1: terrible like she's literally everything that we were talking about about how women can't just like live their lives they are always questioned about like are they doing enough are they a good mother are they also like having a job and a career and everything like she's basically like well why didn't you do this why didn't you do this and why didn't you do this
0: oh i don't think anything though tops when she met with her lawyer in the book and he was like you should write a book on living on less (laughs) Like, how to live on, know, like, how
1: absurd. on a
0: low budget Tiny or, homes. like, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> Tiny homes,
2: Ian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, though. Like, oh, my God. Like, that was such a, it was so horrifying that I, like, laughed because I'm just, like, that's so absurd. That I someone love,
1: would- though, in the book when the interviewer, like, says something to Ma about, like, being you know in this terrible situation and ma like goes off and is like actually i've been reading how like this happens all the time in prisons and people are put into solitary confinement like all the time yeah and we're doing this to like everyone like regularly and no one talks about it and i was like yeah <laughs> i know i love that her just
0: being like kind of wanting to down because i mean like their story is being sensationalized in the media and she's like, Hey, can we like talk about like how this is still happens? Like yeah. all over the country. And like we're currently? fine with it and it's legal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, God, she's so terrible in the film. She was like, you must've felt like God abandoned you. Why didn't you kill yourself? <laughs> like essentially, <laughs> literally, like, um, but she asks like kind of the big question, which she's like, why didn't you ask old Nick? to take your son to a hospital or like drop him off on a doorstep so he could at least have a chance at a better life yeah and i think this scene plays really well because like clearly ma like never really considered this no and i mean to be fair i would never have trusted old nick not to just like kill the baby oh my god no um and like so maybe there was like an internal decision already made that like that's not even possible but like She's still totally caught off guard and can't really give an explanation.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, well, he was with me like he was, you know, he needed me. And again, this is just another example of like, oh, apparently she can never do the right thing because it's never good enough.
0: Yeah. Why couldn't she make like because she's like it would have been the ultimate sacrifice.
1: (laughs) She's like, fuck you. Who, I mean, literally, who does that, though, when they're like, wow, you escaped from a terrible situation? Don't you wish that maybe you wouldn't have, like, followed that guy? Like, when he told you that his dog was sick? Yeah. Like, that's basically what she
0: said. I mean, to be fair, though, <laughs> like, even reading this book, like, you know, we were just kind of criticizing, like, the escape plan a little bit. And I remember reading it. I'm like. I wonder if she could, like, figure out, like, the number combination. You know what I mean? Like, what if she just, like, kept trying, like, you know, through, like. The keypad. Yeah, the thousands of combinations because you'd have the, like, you know, I think it's, like, kind of human nature to kind of be, like, how would I survive in this situation? Like, what would I have done? Like, how would I have held up? And, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's good, but I do think it, like, this story captures, like, how people react to stories like this. I agree. Shortly after her interview, though, uh, Ma goes into kind of another depressive state. Yeah. um, Which I I kind of like that those are still kind of continuing out of room. Yeah. Like, clearly, like, she's still struggling.
1: Yeah. And, like, escaping didn't, like, fix, like, what was wrong. Which is, like, the trauma that happened to her. Um, We get some really good scenes, though, with Jack interacting with, like, other people. Um, In the movie, we have a scene with Jack interacting with his step-grandfather, Leo.
0: Yeah, and it's such a great scene. Although, looking back on it, uh, there's a really great video, we'll link to it on our Patreon, kind of explaining this, but like, it's actually a little unsettling at first. Yeah. Because Leo sees him on the stairs, and it kind of starts talking to himself, like, oh, I wish I had someone to play with. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'll go into the kitchen, I have something tasty in there. Like, he's, he's clearly trying to, like, pull... Uh, A very shy Jack. Yeah, kind of out of his shell a bit. But like there's also something a little disquieting about watching a grown man kind of like, I don't say disquieting, but like you're suspicious. Yeah. And because you're like, oh, God, Jack's in a house now with kind of this strange older man Mm -hmm. and you're kind of, you know, suddenly on edge. Um, but then he just goes into the kitchen and gets some cereal, and they eat cereal together. It's this yeah. really wholesome,
1: it's a bonding moment between sweet them.
0: scene, yeah. That I really just kind of this quiet moment that ends up being great. Yeah. Uh, the video though is by Cinefix. I'll post on Patreon. It's really good.
1: Mm-hmm. We also get a scene in the book where uh, Jack goes for an outing with his uncle and his uncle's wife and daughter. And they're like, yeah, we'll take Jack, like, just out to see the Natural History Museum. It'll be fun. And they're like, we're just going to make a quick trip to the mall on the way. <laughs> and we have, like, two kids that are, like, five and under with us. And then, of course, it's a disaster. Yeah. It just <laughs>
0: falls apart immediately. And I was
1: like, I would never take two kids in a mall under normal circumstances, let alone a child who's, like, never been in the world before.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It was there are just like a lot more stressful moments in the book. Oh, yeah. Kind of dealing with like Jack trying to understand the world and like people like more scenes of him with his grandma where she's like frustrated.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: angry by trying to like understand and like deal with him. Mm -hmm. But uh, unfortunately, Ma's depressive state ends with her or leads up to her uh, attempting suicide.
1: Yeah. She survives um, but is in the hospital for some time. Um, And it's really, really sad. And I think this is a good moment to talk about how I think well the book and movie handles her trauma, specifically in the book, I think, because, you know, we're shown that just because Ma has escaped this deeply traumatic situation doesn't mean that she's fine now or that the trauma she experienced is just gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think the movie maybe makes a better narrative of her, like... Clearly trying to push past the therapy she needs by, like, going home too soon, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the book is a little more in the middle. She is seeing a therapist or psychologist, but, like, you know, clearly not, I don't know, not getting the attention she needs or, like, I'm not, like, I think it's a little unclear exactly like if something went wrong or what went wrong or is it just her dealing with it it's from
1: jack's perspective too so we don't exactly yeah um but i think it does show too the fact that like sometimes when you're in a life or death situation like ma was like you are focused on surviving like that is the thing and like ma was so focused on surviving and also making sure jack was safe that like now that she's not in that fight or flight like situation anymore Now she's dealing with the fallout of, like, what that did to, like, her body and to her, like, emotional and, like, mental state.
0: Yeah, and, like, her seeing, like, friends she used to know who have, like, moved on with their lives, have gotten married, have gotten divorced, have kids of their own, and just her having to reconcile with that. Definitely. Uh, This begins a a part, though, where, you know, she does survive the attempted suicide, but, like, she needs to stay in the hospital for a while. She needs to, like you know, get counseling and yeah. like deal with this and like probably get on some medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jack is left to live with Leo and grandma by himself for a while.
1: And this is really overwhelming for him. And it's so interesting to read about this and also to see Jack struggle. It's a lot more of a struggle, I think, in the book than it is yeah. in the movie. But like he doesn't understand anything and everything is very overwhelming for him, like sensory is like huge like the sounds are too much the visuals are too much um the just like smells and feelings of everything like he doesn't like wearing shoes because he's never worn shoes his whole life they're too
2: heavy for him
0: yeah yeah and the the book really gets into those details specifically the sensory things yeah um which is really interesting yeah the the uh Film is more just like him kind of like being a little more shy and introverted. Yeah.
1: Having to come out of his shell.
0: Yeah. Uh, but we do. You do see him grow. Um, there's an amazingly sweet scene where Leo brings his dog back, Seamus. Oh my God, I love that. And when he like gets to go up and pet him and then him walking him outside and like, oh my God, I wanted to cry I like, know. so hard. I love
1: how Leo becomes such a good
0: Leo's grandpa. just such a good guy. He's so great. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> Especially he, since his real grandpa was super shitty.
1: Yeah, his real grandpa was like, I can't accept your existence because it reminds <laughs> me that my daughter suffered. And I'm like, guess what? She suffered no matter what.
0: Yeah, she had a
2: kid or not. So and
0: you're making things 10 times worse by being like self-absorbed right now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, kind of a lot more like the like we said, the book is a lot more about like the day to day struggles and like the conflicts and like it's probably more realistic in a way as to like the specific struggles jack would face in reality being in the situation he was in
1: yeah but, i think the narrative drags a little bit at it this does point.
0: and it can kind of get a little like overwhelming i think for the reader to just be like
1: and this stressful situation Ugh. and this stressful situation and <laughs> yeah. this situation where jack said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing or threw a tantrum and it's like uh
0: yeah it, it can be a lot <laughs> um but yeah, eventually, um, his mom. Well, there there is another great part too where he cuts his hair off. Yeah, and it's interesting because, uh in the movie he wants he, he can cons- he thinks of himself like Samson, yeah. and that his strength is in his hair. So in the film he wants to cut it off to send his mom. Yeah. when she's in the hospital, and so she
2: can have his strong.
0: And it's so sweet. Yeah, I love it. She he wants her to have his strong. Um, in the f- book though, he just kind of cuts it off. Yeah. And it's weird. And I would have assumed like, oh, maybe this is an idea the author had later on when she wrote her own screenplay. Maybe. But I read that she wrote the screenplay. And once again, this could be a totally wrong thing that I totally read. (laughs) I read, though, that she wrote the screenplay like before the book was even published. Yeah. And so now I'm like, well, why were certain decisions made in the film like the dog? Yeah. Why does the movie have Seamus the dog, but the book doesn't?
1: I mean, I think she wrote a draft of the screenplay.
0: Mm. Um, she wasn't the sole screenwriter.
1: Well, I think the director had some input.
0: Yeah, I, think I would she imagine. Workshopped
1: it a bit with him um, and came up with a, another draft. And I think I read also that she talked about how, like, the screenplay obviously changes when you get. To like filming and things are adjusted sure. and things like that. So yeah, I think it is odd because she wrote the screenplay. So <laughs> yeah. you're like why would you like add that? Did you like that idea better like after you'd publish the book? Yeah, I don't know.
0: or did she think certain things would work visually more? I'm just curious, like. I'm sure like you said, like the director had input and like things change, like when filming and I'm just curious, like in the process, how things like that got changed or shifted.
1: Yeah, I am too. I would love a nitty gritty breakdown, like all those things.
0: Yeah, uh, but his mom does come back and uh, get him. It's a really sweet reunion between them.
1: And it seems like they can have a new life together. The book kind of goes into more detail about them getting like an apartment and kind of starting their lives over and it just it does make it seem like more positive even though we know that like things aren't fixed and obviously there's still trauma in their lives and things that they're dealing with but it does make it seem like there's a possibility of hope for their future and that yeah. they can grow and you know become their own selves and like live their lives but we do get a final goodbye
2: to room
0: yeah uh jack really wants to like return to room once more to see it yeah and Ma, like, eventually agrees to. Like, maybe she she thinks it'll be therapeutic for her as well. Yeah. Although Jack kind of has to, like, drag her to go, too. She doesn't want to at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go to visit. And I love them returning to it later. I think that's yes. so smart.
1: It And Jack, too, can clearly see now that his eyes have literally been opened <laughs> yeah. to the world. And he's back in room. He said, did they shrink it? Mm-hmm. Like, it's smaller to him now. Because yeah. his world has grown. And, you know, things are different. Like they've had to collect things for evidence and things like that. But we can tell from in both the book and the movie that Jack knows that it's not the same.
0: And I love he has a line where he says, I don't think it's room if the door is open. Yeah. And there's a part where Ma is like, do you want me to close the door? And I'd be like, fuck that. <laughs> there's no way this door is closing yeah. at all with me inside of it.
1: Yeah. But, <laughs> I J- don't but Jack says no. Though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's like, no, I don't think so. Like, But I love that I. That he understands that, like, it's only room when we're confined to it and there's like no outside world, essentially. And that
1: idea that they can't go back
0: to it now. Yeah. And that it's, I love it. The, the, I think one of the last lines of the book is like, it's like a crater. Yeah. Where something happened. And I think the writing of the book is so cool, too, because he constantly, like, and I think. Kids do this all the time, like learning by association. Yes. They'll learn about one thing and then they'll discover something like kind of different and they'll be like, oh, this is like that, but like not like that. Yeah. And, you know, at one point in the book, he just learns about craters. Mm -hmm. And I think his moss is something like that's like where something happened, like some impact happened. And so at the end, he's like room is like a crater. Yeah. You know, and that's like one of the last lines. And I think it's like so good to like bring it back to that. It is. That's the end. That's the end of both versions. Uh, So the age old question, Adina, I'm turning it over to you because I think I know where I stand, but I could maybe be swayed. So I want to know.
1: So I think that I'm going to have to say that I prefer the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I really loved the book and I read the book first, like even before I had seen the movie then before we were doing this episode and everything and loved it. And I think the author is brilliant, but this, she also wrote the screenplay. So I feel like this is a win for her either way. Yeah, you yeah know? totally. I'm not dissing <laughs> the author by choosing the movie. I just feel like seeing room brought to life and seeing the performances of Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay, like just really made the story feel more real to me. And while the book has like a lot more depth and goes into a lot more detail about like parenting and trauma and things that I think are really important, like, I just love the movie so much.
0: Yeah, I think the movie is is so touching. Um, I think it, it it's not afraid to be like more sentimental and happy. Like when Jack is home, like, I don't know, in the book, like like I said, it's probably more realistic to a degree, like the amount that Jack would struggle yeah. in the real world. Um, But in the film, you get so many more like quiet, like kind of beautiful and sweet moments like him eating cereal with Leo, Mm -hmm. the dog. I'm going to cry just saying it. (laughs) um, Or the scene where he tells his grandma that he loves her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just, it feels so much more hopeful and sweet. And I think at least for me at that point in the story, that's kind of what I need. I need to be
1: able to hope a little bit. And I mean, there are still some like dark moments, obviously Mm -hmm. Ma trying to kill herself is very, very dark, but like it balances it. Well, I think.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's such a testament to, I mean, the story itself. And I agree. I think the author of the book is brilliant. I think the way she was able to write that story in such a unique way and get you in the head of Jack and like, tell the story like I, I I think it's so phenomenal and I really loved the book there's so many great lines from Jack from his perspective and a lot of interesting insights that the movie isn't able to get into yeah you know kind of a lot of the weird contradictory nature of like the world and stuff yeah and our inability to understand everything and we just kind of like go with it and it's fine and mm-hmm. like I remember he keeps reiterating how like There's a park near them. And then at one point they go to a park for a concert, but it's not their park. Yeah, it's a different park, he said. And then at one point he's like, the world's just a lot of repeat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you know what, Jack, it is. The world is just a lot of
1: repeats.
0: (laughs) But I agree. I think I'm going to have to go with the movie on this as well. It just holds a place in my heart. It's so good.
1: It is. Uh, So it's going to be movie for both of us. So let's do lightning round. Let's do a lightning so first off, for lightning round, I just have to mention one of Jack's, like, really funny lines. I mean, all of his lines are, like, hilarious in the book, specifically. But there's a part where Jack says, Baked beans keep me going all right, but green beans are my enemy food. Grandma made them a few dinners ago, and I just pretended I didn't see them on my plate. Now I'm in the world, I'm never going to eat green beans again. And then a few pages later, she sa- he says... We go in a bit of the government to get grandma a new social security card because she lost the old one. We have to wait for years and years. Afterwards, she takes me in a coffee shop where there's no green beans. I choose a cookie bigger than my face. <laughs> I love the green bean saga. <laughs> I
0: did. That's so funny. Um, I'd also had a Jack line from the book and movie uh, in the book. He like has all these toys that he's looking at. And he's like, once again, just Jack trying to understand things. He says, He's looking at one, and he says, On the label, a picture of a baby face has a line through it, and zero to three. Maybe that means it kills babies in three seconds. (laughs) 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 Um, And then there's also a great line from the movie, and I think it's only in the movie, and Jacob Tremblay uh, says it in a voiceover. It's like, at the end or near the end, but he's saying, um, he's talking about just like how crazy the world is in real life, and he says, All the people say, hurry up, let's get going. just the way he says it like as in his adult voice is so funny it's
2: perfect
1: (laughs) i also want to mention that when they were in room ma and jack only had 10 books five picture books and five books for ma adult books and one of the five adult books was twilight so that's all ma had to read (laughs) if this couldn't
0: have been a more hell on earth situation
1: that's all she has what
0: if they were all twilight (laughs) oh my
1: god all five twilight yes
0: twice (laughs) yeah (laughs) um uh so Jacob Tremblay uh did have trouble in the scene where he gets in an argument with Ma mm. over the birthday candles yeah and he just had trouble like yelling at Brie Larson so I guess everyone on set like jumped up and down and like just started shouting and screaming until Jacob Tremblay could like
1: they pumped him up yeah
0: they did yeah and like he got the energy to like yell back in this situation that's
1: awesome yeah yeah <laughs> That's it for lightning round. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you again to Lena for requesting this. Um, All our patrons get priority in scheduling episodes. So if you'd like to support us, Patreon is a really great way to do that. So just head over to Patreon to find us. Thank you to everybody who does support us on Patreon. And if you'd like to support us in other ways, you can reach out to us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Cover to Credits. And our email is cover tocreditspod at gmail.com.
0: And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, please just uh, leave us a review, whether it's written or just a star rating. Uh, that really helps, too. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thanks again to Lena for uh, suggesting it.